in the church of the Nazarene. Um, there are some, I've been doing some research. Um, uh, oh, I just want to say a couple things really quickly, and there's no pressure on this. Um, I'm not really a salesman. In fact, my board consistently yells at me over this kind of stuff. But uh, we're taking our studies and putting them in book form because I, I hear some responses that bother me. People end up leaving the service and they go, Dan, that was awesome truth. I see it in the passage. I mean, God spoke to me, life transforming. Uh, wow, that's wonderful. So they go home, they go to the work the next day, and they're talking about what God's doing in their life, and it was awesome. And I was, we had service this week, and man, uh, the word was opened up, we're walking through this. And so they said, well, you know, what was it about? And they're like, I don't know. And so what we've been wanting to do is take some of the studies that we're doing and putting those in book form. And so the idea is after the service, you know, and something speaks to you, you can take that home and you can read it. And especially when we're talking about the scriptures, you know, I, I do think the, 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 the Bible is very clear that you, you need, Paul said, you've got to be ready to give an answer for what you believe. And so we've, um, we're doing a couple different things. One, we had a study we put together a few years ago and it was one of the first books I ever did. It's not very good. <laughs> I wouldn't buy it. But... Uh, um, it's on our website, which is going to be changing hopefully next week. We're getting a whole new website um, because this is something God's been just pressing me on, writing, you know. And uh, so I've been giving myself to that. But if you're interested, we had a book. It's called Jezebel, and it's out of Revelation. It's some specific language that Jesus used to talk about sins. So we put that in book form. And then we've been doing a Romans series. And so for the person that doesn't you know, they say, I really want to study the Bible, but you know, I want to go a level deeper. I literally hold your hand and we go phrase by phrase, word by word through the book of Romans. And you, they're in 30 day increments. So they're like 50 to 60 pages of book, really cheap. And you can just walk with me We're I'm writing book four uh, right now. So that stuff's online. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, want to make it available to you, I wouldn't get it. But if you want to get it, you can do that. Um, all the materials from the word. And uh, so we're really excited about that. That kind of stuff. So we're, we're, I've been doing studies um, just on what we believe and where we come from. And we're doing studies on this and it's a big topic, but I want to give you just a little piece of it. In our denomination, we talk about something, and I mentioned it already, but we talk about something called entire sanctification. And that's simply Wesley's language that is describing you becoming a new creation. Seriously, it's what it is. And I'm under the impression, not making any judgments, but I'm under the impression that there are some who talk about being entirely sanctified that have no idea what it means. And you're under that impression because of lifestyle choices and lack of responding. And I want to talk to you tonight out of, out of John again. I thought we were going to be in James. When we're talking about entire sanctification, basically your whole life is colored by preventing grace, meaning God's moved in your life from the foundation of the world after sin took place and gave us the responsibility to respond back to him and recognize him when he speaks to us. And he leads us to a crisis point, which John Wesley called, and I have no problem with, initial sanctification, because this is sanctification. 
And people get confused. We talk about this also as being saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means that I believe everything that Jesus said, that there's a new version of humanity. Are you with me? There's a new version of humanity. There's a new version of human beings that live. And God wants to be in the kind of relationship with me that he dreamed from the foundation of the world. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Spirit comes down and lives inside of my body. Literally, if you are a Christian, you can have two people living inside of you. Which is insane. Seriously. He's not up there somewhere. And if you learn to listen, you can hear him. At this point, you no longer live in rebellion against God. You no longer say no to him. You no longer sin. And we talked about the two types of sin, which I began that book today, so I'm super excited about it. Had a really fun, funny story at the beginning. And you don't think that I'm funny, but I think I'm pretty funny, so I'm excited about it. But we talked about the difference between error and rebellion. Okay? Error and rebellion. We're going to get to error here. Rebellion stops right here. If you're a Christian, you cannot rebel. Seriously. God moves down inside of you. You can't say, get out of here. I'm robbing this bank. You cannot do that as a Christian. So people say, okay, then what's this right here? This is what we call entire sanctification. And this has to do with nature. I love to talk about these in terms of expressions. Here, I'm living for Jesus. You're awesome. Here, I realize that I am completely different than him. And that I live out of my nature and my perspective. And there's a crisis point, and I'm not interested in arguing on all those kinds of times and all those kind of deals, but I'm telling you, there comes a point in your life, hear me on this, I don't care what background you are, there comes a point in your life where literally he wants you to live out of his nature and his perspective. And there is a second death that happens there. Let me just talk to you about this. Give me an example of this. Oftentimes when we talk about, man, I'm growing, and hey, I'm going to die to myself, we end up thinking about dying to things. I'm going to read my Bible more. That's fantastic. That's not this. Well, I'm going to stop hitting my sister. Big fan. (laughs) Big fan. Love it. That's here. He's narrowing down my TV entrance. Love it. That's here. What is nature? No breaks. I want to challenge you to do something. Christianity's not taught, it's caught. An old timer, those old timers have those killer one liners, man. I steal them. They'll be gone before long anyway, and I can take credit. See, that was funny, right? Right? That was crass, even. Yeah. There's no breaks. Paul talks about it as praying without ceasing. What if there was no after service? That I get in my car and I drive home and I walk in and I'm looking at that lady behind the counter that I've seen all week 
and she smiles when I come in and I get water. And I'm like, what's up, girl? She still doesn't know I'm a preacher. And I'm absolutely open for what you want to do in these moments, Jesus. That as you were a son that lived on this earth, I am a son that lives on this earth. And you become literally a warrior in the kingdom Monday through Friday at your job. I mean, you become a wrecking ball. You become a threat. And this is not arrogance. This is not wishful thinking. This is not delusion. I I do. I want to live in such just personal, non-preaching. I mean, look at me. I'm a normal guy. Seriously, the only reason I went into evangelism is God began to speak to me in college, and I, I didn't feel called to be a pastor. No way I'd want that job. And I felt called, and I was sharing, and I was traveling, and my DS came to me and said, you know, we have an, we have an ordination for that. And I'm like, you mean where I don't have to have a job, I just travel around and people give me money? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm in, dude, yeah. Where do I sign up for that deal? I'm a, I'm a normal guy. I'm a, I'm a completely normal fellow. But I want to be the kind of individual that when I walk into Walmart, the spiritual realm on the other side says, oh no. I do. I want, to, I want to be that kind of guy. I want to be the reality of his presence in every area of my life. I want to influence the atmospheres of wherever I go. I want to, because of me, grace falls upon my home. That's, that's this. That's his nature. That's the beating of his heart. That's reliance. And when that happens, you enter into this period of time that Wesley called from here to here, and this is ultimate sanctification where you die, go to heaven, and we don't know much about that. Seriously. But right here is growth in grace. Because of his nature, you go through these series of crisis points where he begins to reveal areas of your life where you don't see the way he sees and you operate out of his nature. And that will happen until the day you die. Because there are errors in me. There are ways that I've responded, things that I've taught myself. One of the very beginning for me was I had a masculinity problem right here. I had a definition of masculinity that was shaped from the Marine Corps, from my father, from the world in which I live, from being picked on. And I had a definition of man that said, hey. And Jesus came to me and said, I am what a real man looks like. And I am not a coward. And I was not weak. And I don't live like that anymore. I was changed. And right now, I'm down the road, man. Right now, I'm working on this one. Which is none of your business. But he's, but he's, working, he's working with me on this. And I'm under the impression people are sliding in into the door. And churches are not yours. I don't know you, but churches are a mess. Because we've got a bunch of immature people who somehow classify the pastor as being different from, from everyone else. And we allow all kinds of patterns in the way we talk. And it influences the way our kids think and the way they speak. I want to be different. I mean, seriously, I want to be a child. The scriptures, what they say about being a son of God is utterly ridiculous. 
So this is not what we talked about last night. We dealt, and I was going to give you a quick overview of this. But what we talked about last night is Jesus, John chapter 6, Jesus has this group of the 5,000, and he confronts them for the first time in this chapter. And it's just astounding. And we found that he's dealing with them all the way throughout the book. He has these, all the miracles that he does, all the, all these phenomenal supernatural events, they were not, they weren't given to just, he loves love us, you understand, no doubt about it. He didn't want us to be, there's all kinds of times where like the guy in chapter five that he heals, you know, at the pool, there was, he didn't come up, there was no ultimatums, there was no, I'll do this if, he just said, man, I can't stand what's happening in your life. So there is that element. But what's going on in a child's, a child of God's life is they beat to a different drum. And everything that's going on in a, in a child of God's life, as it first did in Jesus, it's a sign that a new breed of humanity is on the scene. Are you with me? Seriously, are you with me? A new breed of humanity is on the scene. If you want to be a Christian, you got to understand it. And we know this, but I reiterate it, probably for some of the young people that are here, because who knows the examples that you've been shown in the world. It's more than just showing up to a building, man. Many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. Preachers, prophets, healers, Nazarenes, and they don't get in because they don't look like him. It's a narrow road. <laughs> Let that sink in. It's not a fear thing, but you know. You know who you are. Do you want your kids to look like you? Do you... Do you do you know what I'm saying? I have this idea. I've, I've met people. I know the kind of grandparent that I want to be. I know the kind of senior adult that I want to be. I know what I've seen people. I thought that's what I want to look like when I get that age. And I don't want to look like that when I get that age. And so you have this first six chapters. When we looked at the first miracle there, it was a sign. There's a whole new breed of humanity that's coming on the scene. And they're so attractive. Everyone loved Jesus. And in chapter two, you have this group of people that's taken with him. They're blown away. But they're blown away for selfish reasons. They've got all these issues and problems in this version of, of life that they want. And then you see it pop up again in chapter four. And every time Jesus gets around religious people, he has that kind of response. And then by the time you get to this chapter, he just flat out says, the reason you're following me is you're trying to use me. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you that God wants to do this in you, and he wants to do this in you, and he wants to do all of this in you until the day you die. Just don't ever say no to him. I want to, I, he wants us to be a different human being from the inside. I'm telling you, I, we've been to revivals before. I've seen people respond and come to the altar, and they flat out look different when they stand up. We've heard this in the old. Some of the old timers will tell you, their countenance changes. They're new. I mean, they're flat out new, man. Young man going to our church, he's going to our ministry school. We have a ministry school in, in Tennessee uh, for people that feel called to ministry. Uh, we ask them to give uh, one year of their life, and then we sucker them into two years. And it's really inexpensive, and everyone who comes is doing online classes, so they're still getting some of their college done. But these guys are called and trained in full-time ministry. 
and operating out of a local church, which I'm a huge, pastor and I have been talking about, I'm a huge fan of. I think if you have a call to ministry, you need to go see him. Walk in his shadow. Be involved. And there's this young man there named Aaron. And that dude is, is a knockout. Went to the hospital, and I know this sound, and it, it's almost convicting. I was telling some pastor about this. It's almost convicting because we want to say, no way. It's biblical. He went to the hospital last week, played with, prayed with a lady from a friend of his, uh, that he works with that he's been ministering to, and got him to come to church and just loving on him. And, and the friend said, hey, we're reading in the Bible, and, uh, and uh, God can heal people. And Aaron says, absolutely. He says, my mom has cancer at the hospital. And it's caused her to go blind this last year. Aaron drove to the hospital, laid his hands on her. And that woman's cancer left and her eyes were opened. Now we look at that and go, wow! That's supposed to be normal. And we end up arguing about it. Instead of just going, hey, let's ask and whatever he does, he does. And whatever he does, he does. And I'm fine with. I end up, well, should I do it? And should, well, what's the theology on that? And, you know, should he heal everybody? Maybe I should go to the day. And we begin to pick that stuff apart. And <laughs> now you're going to look at me and say, what do you do with that? I don't know. <laughs> it's not in the church manual. I mean, it's, it's there, but I don't know what to do with all of that. But there's evidence of a, a child of God should have fruit that's being produced in their life in a variety of ways. Does that scare the death out of you? It does me. Is scare the death out of you? Is that actually a phrase? Or did I just make that up on the spot? I think it scare you too. I, I combined like four or five. So in John chapter 6, you have this death process that Jesus is calling them to. Die to yourself daily. What does that mean? I'm no longer, here this is going to be the theme tonight. I'm no longer going to live independent from you. It's not things. I, I encourage everybody who comes to revival, what should I do? Don't change anything in your life. I don't care what it is. Just include him into everything in your life. And whatever he won't tolerate, you don't tolerate. Whatever that is. When we were going to go see this movie, go with him. Buy an extra seat. And you'll know if you're tight with him. He doesn't consider this entertainment. I'm out of here. He wouldn't watch that. He wouldn't spend time. And see, he convicts me over the silly things. Time management. I'll just tell you right now, if I go to hell one day, it's going to be because of forensic files. That's what it's going to be. Because I binge watch that thing. I'm like, just one more episode, I promise. And like five hours later, you know, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's that guy. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Do you know what I'm saying? And we, we get wrapped up in the things of this world. And, and we end up living off of morals and this is not bad, rather than what's your will? And what's on the docket for today, man? I'm just thrilled to be a part. That's, that's this. And when you get into this, he will knock your socks off with this. Because you'll come to church on Sunday and go, oh, that's me. I was in uh, Medford, Oregon. They were like 1,200 a few years ago. 80-some-year-old woman hobbles down to the altar gets down and, and, and her son came down and he looked frustrated because he knew once she goes down, he's going to have to pick her back up. Seriously. 
She prayed. After the service is over, she walks out. She's, she's patting my hand, and she looks at me, and she goes, thank you. I grew. I was like, you're 80. I looked at her, I looked at her and said, how old are you? She's like, I'm 88, and I'm still growing. That's a Christian. Now, I'm pretty sure she wasn't becoming saved. In other words, she wasn't like, well, you know, I knocked off a liquor store on the way here, and I'm just repenting. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue was is that, man, maybe there's attitudes that surfaced in her life that just don't look like him. It doesn't look like his nature. There's things that I say to my grandkids and the impatience of my life. I struggle with that. I was on the way to church tonight. That's another thing he's dealing with. You want to know what this is? I this is a rough one. It's something that I didn't know was there. I struggle with running old people off the road right there. I think it's what it is. I am a lead foot. And I'm on the way here. This is hysterical. I'm on the way here, and I'm following this sweet little old couple, and I know they're a Christian because I see the ichthus, and they're driving 15 mile an hour under the speed limit. Seriously, I put the car on cruise. I jumped out. I ran up beside their vehicle as we were going down the road, and I'm like, go faster. I could have. I didn't do that because that wouldn't have worked. And we come up to the church, and they turn their turn signal on. You're here. I was like, I'm so glad I did not run them off the road. That would have killed my check for the week, man. (laughs) And it wasn't like I'm going to the fire. I wasn't like I'm late for work. I'm impatient, man. And again, I, I, I wonder if that's a nature thing in me. Seriously, I wonder if that's a nature thing in me. Could be a nature thing in them. I'm still praying about it. I don't know. You know, can't figure that out. But these are the little subtle things that Jesus is saying, hey, back off, dude. Seriously. 20 seconds longer, you're going to live. But I think, that's, I think that's appropriate to have these kind of growth things in my life taking place. You, you know what I'm saying? So do, do you have that? I mean, are you, are you so consistent where you don't have to shift gears and get more spiritual. If you were at work and someone came up to you and said, listen, are you a Christian? Would you pray for me? Would you have to go, hold on, Jesus? Or would you just be like... That's what he's talking about in the passage. I do, I think that's Christianity. (laughs) It'll make you get on the airplane altogether different. Seriously, it will. It'll change the flat tires of your life. So we come into verses, and I want to just look at a couple of verses with you this evening, and then uh, we'll see what the Lord wants to do with this whole thing. But Jesus has a long conversation with them in chapter 6 from verse 25 down through verse 59. And you come into verses 60 through 71, and this is the response time, and I want to look at some of this with you. And he begins, and we're really going to focus in on uh, verse 62 and 63, but I want to give you some content and some, some, uh, some context. In verse 60, it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The Greek word there that we translate hard teaching literally means abrasive or offensive. We consider... We consider what someone says as harsh. It's literally the Simon Cowell thing. 
I remember back in the day, Joel's old, he's gone, all that. But there's something about, and I just loved it. Because you get all these things that said, but when you got to him, you just knew you're going to hear the truth whether you wanted it or not. I mean, he'd look at the person and say, you have it. Or he'd look at the person, and he's, got, he's worldly and all that, totally get it. But then he would look at someone and say, listen, dude, it's McDonald's or college, you know, there's a, something else for you. Seriously, you just don't have it. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want you to go off. That's, and it's that kind of, they've heard truth. Simon Cowell doesn't give truth. They've heard truth. And in response to it, it's so grating in their life. And this is so significant. Listen to me. Because it's grating in your life. And, if, and, and I'm telling you, when I first experienced this back in 1995, the first thing that hit me was, he's boring. Because I did all the talking. And I had to, he had to teach me how to listen. Just to operate in the reality of his presence. I mean, think about that. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Just don't ever stop. Ever. Just include him in what you're doing. When I was in college, this is hysterical. When I was in college, I used to get up in the morning and my roommate, Brent Tolman, who's he's a professor now at, at uh, Tribeca, I roomed with that kid. And I would put, I slept on the bottom bunk and I, would, I got, uh, took a piece of paper and I wrote Jesus and then I would laminate it. And I had them all over our room. I had them on the bottom of my bunk. So the first thing I do when I wake up, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, morning. And then one was draped over my alarm clock and then one was right there on my mirror. So you literally had to look around. And then I got to the point, because I was so weird, I, I would bread tie my fingers together. Because I would literally walk out of my room and spend half of my day and just totally blow him off. And I just felt, and I, at that time, it felt such an overwhelming desire that the God of the universe wanted my undivided attention. And I just walked in this state of, and I had good times and bad times, but I, I walked in this state, and I called it the reality of his presence. It wasn't an emotional thing. But I just walked with him. That's so grinding. Because you'll find that there are times when you forget about him, and it does, it changes your whole life. Because you're no longer living according to morals, you're living according to his presence. Because he shares this body with you. If you look at the scriptures, it's over and over, this is not, you are no longer your own. Just want to tell you, teens, you don't have to be a Christian, I'm telling you. You, you watch the secular news, they're going to say Christians are extremists, and they're dead on. Because this is absolutely extreme. Your appendages, your sex drive, it's not your own. No more self-fulfillment. I, we get these t-shirts on my website, you should buy one, they're cool. They say, it's in Greek, and I did it for teachers, so they could wear it to school. And kids will say, what does that say? And they say, ego a me autu. They're like, what's it, Spanish? No, it's New Testament Greek. What's it mean? I am his. Property of JC. 
When you come up and touch me, you're touching him. We get some other more edgy t-shirts, which are hysterical. But the whole idea is I'm just, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to live in his presence. He's been dealing with me on my eating habits. I used to be good looking. It's, it's, it's went. So it's interesting on hearing it, they say, this is a hard teaching. This is grinding. This is heavy. This is, and then they add to it, who can accept it? Who can live like that? This is not a discipline. You can't discipline. It has to be an absolute, uh, when I went through, and it's weird to say, when I got sanctified, because it happened at a point in time for me, I've been in service. When it happened to me, my heart was beating in the middle of the service. In fact, I waited for Danny Goddard, who was my pastor at the time, to just finally shut up and sit down because I was ready to respond. I knew it. And when we talk about this topic at churches, I've had people get up in the middle of the service and they just go down and start praying because they know. What are they, what are they praying about? Nothing in particular. They're being drugged up to a whole new level. They begin to see their kids different. They begin to see the role in their children's life. They begin to see the role in their, in their, in their co-worker's life. Almost like the, they're called to be a pastor to their... It's like their whole life comes into perspective. Isn't that incredible? You're all like, yes. Now you go into verse 61. This is, this is the best part. This is, this is where it gets a little humorous to pull you back in. Not that you're away. Verse 61, aware, you know what the word aware means? It's, there's three or four different words for see in the New Testament. And this word aware is literally, it's the understanding of physical sight. Jesus was aware. Well, how is he aware? He can see it. He could see they were not into that. And you say, how did he do that? Aware that his disciples were grumbling. There are terms in both Hebrew and in Greek, and I assume in other languages, that are unable to be translated into English. For instance, the Greek word, um, well, the English word in our New Testament, amen. You know what the original language word is for that? Amen. (laughs) You say, really? That's the Greek word. Yes. We don't have anything like it. Hallelujah. The Hebrew word. You know what the original language word for hallelujah is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have anything like it. Those terms and this one, grumbling, it's, it's, it's not able to be translated. Literally, scholars tell us this term and those terms are what they call onama poieos. You know what an onama poieo is? It's from the it's a combination of two Greek words, name and poieo. You remember we looked at poieo earlier this week in terms of how trees produce fruit. You know an apple tree because they produce apples. So what's going on on the inside makes its way visible on the outside. So when they were grumbling, it was literally an onama poieo because what was going on inside of them escapes and Jesus saw it. My daughter has the greatest variety of Onama Poyeos on the face of the planet. I've got my favorites. One of my favorites is when I say something to her and she goes, oh, that's an Onama Poyeo. 
Those were just onomapoyos. The ha 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 ha. It expressed mirth. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. Another one is that's an onomapoyo. How would you translate that? That's what this is. They became indignant. That's what that is. Jesus looks at him and goes, just like I do with my daughter when I go, no, you can't go. And she goes, I think you're not happy. I didn't say anything. No, you didn't. But she didn't put up with all my Greek stuff. She's like, don't care, Greek man. I'm like, yes, I don't know, I'm a poyel. I get all excited. She rolls her eyes again. That's what a namapoyo is. So when Jesus is talking to them about a whole nother level, dying to themselves, not living for themselves, absolutely focused on the kingdom, their response is, that. They're indignant, which tells you the problem is not activity-oriented. There's something they're repulsed on the inside. It's, It's an incredible thing when you realize that sin is never found in the activity, there is something inside that is mine that is not his. You can manage it. I'm going to come to church more. Fine, I won't do that. He didn't want that. He wants you. Doesn't want your money? We do. Doesn't want you to be volunteer? He wants you. He wants you to be a walking wrecking ball in the kingdom. (laughs) Which is just ridiculous. I get the coolest story ever. I don't know if I told you this week or not because the weeks blend together. It's a true story. I was down in Alabama just a couple weeks ago. And uh, pastor was telling me about this little old lady. Talked to her about it. True story. Fireball. Super energetic. In her 90s but looked like she was in her, I mean way younger like early 80s, you know, and she was mobile and all this, true 100%, no embellishment, true story. God gave her um, a heart in that area, used to be a center for adult, for gentlemen, gentlemen's clubs. And the city had come, you know, and, the, and they were trying to become, you know, more relevant and people to the town and just whatever ended up happening. And uh, God gave her a heart to pray against them. And one by one, they begin to close down. And one stayed open, the biggest, the best, the baddest. And she went, and this is like 15, 20 years ago. She went and she would park. She told me, she said, I'd get up every morning, I'd get in my car and I'd drive and I'd park in the parking lot. And I wouldn't make rude comments or whatever early afternoon. She said, I'd just pray a couple hours and I'd go home. And she was one day I was praying, I realized it was a little bit later than normal. The owner arrived, he came out, and he said, hey, can I help you with something? Super nice guy. And she goes, no, I'm just here praying. And he goes, really? And she goes, in fact, would you mind if I came in and just prayed with the girls before they begin to work? And the guy goes, sure. (laughs) So she came every single day and prayed with the girls. She said she did that for five years. She says, one day she got there, she's praying, waiting for it to open, 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 and never open. And she looks up and there's a big sign on the door that says closed. (laughs) She prayed that place closed. (laughs) That's incredible. I wonder what would happen if you and I just went to our job, didn't pick it, didn't hold signs, 
but just went there. Who? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's a lady here, and I won't embarrass you. You probably don't know who she is, Olympic medalist. Um, <laughs> showed up at her work every morning, two hours early, and just flat out prayed over the factory. What would you give to send your kid to a school where their teacher did that every day? Go, go do that. See, I don't think, and again, you're like, well, I don't have two hours early. Just on your way to work. You know, push stop on Metallica, which is, I know it's tempting, it's alluring. You know, Megadeth, Anthrax, Pantera, you know, Judas Priest. All the good ones. And just say, instead, I'm going to pray all the way there. I'm going to sneak some anointing oil. I don't know if it works. Try it. And I'm just going to anoint the alarm clock or the time clock when I go in to punch in. In fact, I'm going to at least buy five minutes early and I'm going to go around and I'm going to pray over every desk. I'm going to bring in a squirt gun with anointing oil. Nail people when they walk by. <laughs> Seriously, what if we got creative on that kind of stuff? Because you have... I mean, by the time you come into this gospel, he says, whatever you bind on heaven or bind on earth is bound in heaven. You matter. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. See, I do. I wonder if the state of our country is not because of a liberal world. It's because of church who stopped being the church. Just, I'm under the impression. This is what he's saying. So Jesus looks at them and they're grumbling. They're frustrated in death and you're cutting into my time and all this. And Jesus says, does this offend you? I think you're upset. Now, here's a passage we want to look at. We'll be quick. He says, what if you see the Son of Man? And this is the only verse we'll look at. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? (laughs) This is so good. This word Son of Man is unique in John's gospel, not really used in the other gospels. It's a quotation, mainly scholar says, from the Daniel era, though it's in other places. And how it's used is an expression of someone who is a human being. I'm not, I hope you'll just believe this, and if you don't believe it, research it yourself. Don't just say, I don't believe that. Go find out if this is true, and you'll find out it's true. Jesus is 100% God, was God, is God, always will be God. But something happened when he took on flesh. He's still God, but he's God that limited himself to live as a human being. He was born a human being. He lived as a human being. He died as a human being. He ascended as a human being. Scriptures say he's going to come back as a human being, which would assume right now he's a human being. He had a glorified body. Most people buy that immediately. The part they don't understand is that though he was born in a sinless relationship with God, he was born in a sin-scarred body. You see what he mean? He aged. He had an appetite that didn't just say, oh, Krispy Kreme donuts, terrible. His flesh had to come under the authority of the nature of God that was living within him. John Wesley said, by the way, the person who's entirely sanctified is restored spiritually the way Jesus was. That's a cleansing of our nature. Jesus operated. He was born with that. Never rebelled. Never sinned. And he had what was so beautiful about Jesus. He didn't overcome as the LeBron James of humanity. He overcame as one of us. In fact, after 30 years of living in his town, he stands up and says, I'm the Messiah. And they're like, dude, sit down. You can't even carve a straight board. 
He wasn't anything spectacular. There are three characteristics that are constantly referenced to, re- to represent God and who he is in his godness. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. And God is omnipresent. The easiest one is omnipresence. When Jesus took on humanity, he took his omnipresence because it differentiated him between, you know, us. And he took his omnipresence and he set it aside. What does that mean? Well, there's nowhere in the scriptures where Jesus is in Galilee and he says, listen, we're going down to Jerusalem. And I'm already there. No, he didn't have that. He's a human being. Well, what about his omniscience? What if the things that he knew are possible for us to know? Well, he knew everything. No, he didn't. They asked him, when are you coming back? What did he say? Beats me. He's walking through a crowd of people. Power goes out from him. I mean, it's literally a, a trampling situation. And he stops and he says, someone touched me. He didn't know. And the disciples are going, come on, we're going to get trampled. Jesus said, no, listen, power went out from me. And the disciples are like, pull yourself together, man. And finally, a lady comes up and says, it was me. And Jesus is like, wow. Appreciate it if you're going to use me. At least let me know. <laughs> All kinds of things he didn't know. He operated out of the same resource that he gave you and I. He was not omnipotent. Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the opening words of Peter after his text was Jesus of Nazareth was a man proven by God to you through miracles, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. He's a human being. (laughs) You ever read the Isaiah passage? We don't really have time for this, but since you can't get away. Listen to this. And you can mark this. I want you to go home and read it tonight. Isaiah chapter 52. My favorite, one of my favorite Old Testament passages. Isaiah 52, beginning at verse 13. I'm just going to run through this. My servant will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, which in John's gospel takes and interprets it as his death. In fact, that's what he says here in verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they're going to see. In other words, they never heard the Old Testament gospel, but they're going to see it lived in front of them. And what they have not heard, they will understand. And who has believed this message? To whom of the arm of the Lord has been revealed? He grew up before Israel like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. Verse 2, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He wasn't the best looking in his class. It wasn't like, oh, Jesus, wow. Hope he invites me to prom. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected. He was from a broken home, which in Israel was a disgrace. He was considered an illegitimate son. Because no one bought the whole virgin birth thing. You ever seen the nativity? One of the greatest films on the life of Jesus ever. Everyone in town rejected them. And you can go through and read it yourself. The whole chapter is just phenomenal. So Jesus, when it says in in our passage, what what if you see the Son of Man, 
They, they looked at him. He, was a, he didn't gain the kind of heroic statue status that we have of him today. People talk about Jesus like Jesus is here and we're all here. Jesus came and lived the life that you and I are supposed to live. He looks to his disciples and says, you're going to do greater things than what I've been doing because I'm going to the Father. See, what he's saying is, what if there's a whole new breed of humanity that God wants to bring about and I'm what it looks like? Hold on, you're telling me as the Father moved through Jesus, He can move through me? He wasn't the only one to raise the dead, dude. He wasn't the only one to preach and heal. In fact, the Scriptures tell us we're seated in Him in the heavenly realms. In fact, He says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend? When I first read that verse, I thought He was talking about... When he, I, I felt like he was saying to the people, hold on, hold on, don't leave. One day you're going to see me ascend into heaven. There are four different Greek words used in Luke and Acts describing the, descent, uh, the ascension. None of them is this word because this is, has to do with ascending. This literally means promotion. In other words, Jesus says, what if you see humanity restored? That you've been settling for a version of humanity that is depraved. You don't have to look the way you've always looked. You don't have to act the way you've always acted. You don't have to be caught up in the things you've always been caught up in. I went to uh, Barnes & Noble today because I don't have a job. I had to find things to do. And I sat in there and worked on my book and studied. I thought I'd go get a magazine. And I went by the men's section. I just don't know how the men of my generation and your generation are going to make it without the eyes of Jesus. When I was a kid, in order to get a hold of pornography, do you know the Greek word in the New Testament for, that we translate sexual immorality, which is all sexuality that is ungodly, is a translation of the Greek word pornonia. If you want to know what porn is, it is the ungodly version of sexuality. That's what that is. If you want to know what satanic sexuality looks like, watch porn. And we have a whole generation of people that end up viewing it and they say, okay, I won't, I won't watch that anymore. Not realizing it's not about the actions. It's not about watching two people engage. The problem is, is they have to have heart change. Because if they don't have heart change, even though they stop, one day they're going to get married and that's how they're going to expect their husband or wife to act. And you've just drugged that in the home. It's astounding. So I go by and look at the men's, the men's rack today. And I was just like, this world has nothing for me. I am literally an alien and a stranger. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans, living in that culture. We're living in that culture. I'm not going to prove it to you biblically. We're living in that day and age. And the watered-down, iffy version of Christianity where I show up to church on Sunday is producing a lame duck church. For the teens, it's a political term, sorry. It's a powerless church that does not transform the cities in which they live. So uh, Amy's going to come. 
And uh, I want to close tonight and, and just maybe a song or two. And just prayer. I, I don't... When I worship, I sit down. By the way, I love your worship. And I'm not just saying this because of Amy. If I didn't like it, I just wouldn't say anything. I do. I love that she listens to what I'm going to preach about and then the songs end up reflecting that. I think that's spirit-led. You have so much. Pastor and I were talking about it. Paul told me today, he's like, we have such a healthy church. You have such a diversity of age groups. You actually have elders and teens here. If you don't grow, it's because you don't want to. Honestly. Flat out. If you don't reach this community, it's just you don't want to. So I just kind of want to close tonight and just want to give you an opportunity to respond. When I, when I respond, sometimes I don't come down to the altar. When I worship, I kneel or I, I set my, my seat. I close my eyes and I just ignore you. And I just talk to him. I literally just, like I'm singing it to him. I do. I believe probably there are some here, just probably. I'm not a prophet. I don't have the ability but I would just assume there's some here that just, there's some dads here that say, I just haven't been the spiritual head of my home that God's wanted me to be. There's some moms here that just say, I have not given my husband the respect that God wants me to. Teens, grandparents, I think there's perhaps some of us here that have been not bad or evil and who cares about the past but there's a whole nother level that God's revealing this week where I'm going to be different this is not just going to be some little week we had I'm going to be different seriously I'm going to be different and wherever I go I just I want to put the enemy on notice when I fly into town I won't be like red alert red alert he's here I'm like that's right suckers Son of God on the scene, tight with Jesus, walking with Him. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Just you were an absolute threat. That the enemy has to get rid of you. I had a heart attack last year. I was in the hospital for two days in the revival. Last night of service. <laughs> it was terrible. The whole week was terrible. No, it was a great week, but I spiritual attack. I don't think I was as tidy with him as I should be. I think I got distracted. I know I did. I was in the hospital for two days. They wanted to keep me. I'm like, I'm not moving to North Carolina. I'm going home. I was still driving, got my car, drove eight hours home. And an intercessor who prays for me every day, who lives in South Carolina, called me. She said, why is God screaming your name to me? I'm like, because he's a tattletale. Shoes, you realize the enemy doesn't just want you out of the pulpit. He wants you dead. And if you're not tight in the position he's, God's given you, you're going down. And you're messing with things you shouldn't be messing with. And you're just, and again, it's not bad. Was he robbing banks? Forensic files. Stuff. And she prayed with me over the phone. And I hit the, I hit the pause button or hit the mute button. And I just confessed. I felt warm from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I was healed in an instant. <laughs> I was like, no one's going to believe this. But I've got the medical records to prove it. I just want to be a high priority target in the kingdom. And I just, I think if we're going to infect, if we're going to transform Marysville, you're going to have to be on a whole nother level. 
Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. And I'm just a truck driver with a license to preach. I'm a normal guy. And I love you. You're the, you're the epitome of good. You love me when I don't deserve to be loved. You're so patient with me. You bring joy and peace and happiness that does not come from physical security. Doesn't come from health. Some of the most trying times of my life in the last few years. And there is a joy that supersedes all physical, worldly situations. It's like it's a fruit of your spirit. There's a love that I have for my wife that is beyond physical appearance. It's like it's a fruit of your spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We go all down the list. Gentleness, self-control. Father, there's some of us here tonight that you're pulling up to a whole new level. We would call this in the church of the Nazarene being entirely sanctified. It's where the heart slams. I know you're talking to me. And it's not that I'm I'm repenting. I'm growing. This is a growth leap tonight. I've graduated tonight. I went from high school to college. I went from religious to... I mean, I went from Christian, but to, to child of God, to daughter of God, to threat level. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Anybody need to respond tonight? God's speaking to any of you tonight? <laughs> Come on down. Join me. Who cares what people think? Who cares what they're saying? Come on down. If he's pulling you to a new level, come on down. And let's just kneel. I don't think you ever retire from this. I don't think you ever get too old. I don't think you're ever too young. In fact, I think it's a beautiful thing to teach our kids to respond. We're going to spend the next few moments in prayer. And uh, hey, honestly, it's been an absolute thrill to be here. Um, I'm so excited for your church. You have so many young people that are involved, young, I mean 30s and 40s, that are involved in ministry. You've got a great group of senior adults that are elders that have the tradition of the church and the message has been passed down. We're all involved. I just, I can't see, I just can't wait to see what happens the next time I come here. Great days are ahead. Last thing, I had an old timer tell me, and again, I don't know where he got this, but it rang true in my spirit. He said, new level, new devil. I don't know what that means, but it scared me. And when your church becomes an, a threat to the community and the kingdom, better be tight with him. Because you walk around with this big target on your chest. But he's so faithful. Seriously, he's so faithful. It's, it's ridiculous. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word tonight. I want to spend some time seeking you. And I do, Lord. I, spiritually, I want to go to DEFCON 5. Not for fame, not for fortune. I don't have to preach. I'm not going to run my mouth. I have no expectations. 
I don't have to heal. In fact, Jesus is an introvert. I'd love to be invisible. But I would love, Jesus, to walk in the Walmarts of my life and have a sense of your presence that I can affect that place while I'm there. That words may be given to me that I might boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel when it's called upon. That I can, that I can be of use to you on the spot whenever. I believe you're calling several of us to that level tonight. And I do. I pray for the dad and the mom. When all this is all so new to them, I pray you'd give us wisdom beyond our years and a hunger for your word that surpasses even our own understanding. And protect us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In a few minutes, pastor's going to come and he's going to close us. So if you'd like to, if you need to leave, we understand. If you'd like to come and pray, you still can. If you want to come and pray with someone who's coming down here, I think that's completely uh, uh, appropriate. But we're just going to tarry for a couple minutes and then uh, pastor's going to close us here in a, in a couple.